In improvisational theater, there is an adage that says, make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll, speaking with guests and listeners like you. Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here is your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome everyone to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help solve your communication conundrums. This is the eighth episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Now, if you want to find out more about me or what the show is about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on either my website, carolcoaching.com, or the voiceamerica.com business channel. And be sure to download the app. Now, if you missed last week's show, you want to go check it out because I interviewed this guy, Andrew Tarvin, who trains business professionals on the power and the benefits of using humor in the workplace. We talked about some of those benefits and offered a special approach to cultivating your own humor to connect with others and to drive results. Now, really, who doesn't get a hit of energy from a good giggle? So that's going to be an episode you want to check out. Today, I'm going to be sharing my biggest epiphany, I would say. Yeah, pretty much my biggest one I've had in uh, 57 years, as well as client communication challenges and their surprising success stories. Now, for all this to make sense and put it into context, I'm going to take a couple of minutes to give you a high-level overview of this communication model, Predator-Prey Partner, which my sister, Pat Kirkland, developed. And you can check her out at patkirklandleadership.com. All right, so think of you've got these three archetypes. You've got the predator, you've got the prey, you've got the partner. Most of us are behaving as partners, meaning I'm holding high respect for the other and for myself simultaneously, all is well. The problem, under pressure, stress, perceived threat, crisis, or just, or COVID, we can throw that in there now, or just if I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I'm likely to slip into either predator or prey. The predator holds too much respect for herself, not enough for others. And she can tend to sound uh, aggressive or rude or condescending or impatient. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is problematic because when we speak to people that way, generally they don't appreciate it, oddly enough. And so we either damage the safety, the trust, the loyalty. Generally, we're damaging the relationship. And if we damage the relationship, we're damaging the long-term results. We can only get away with being predator for a short time before it's going to cost us. The other extreme is the prey. And that's spelled P-R-E-Y. Now, the prey is usually someone who shows up as a really nice person, really easygoing. And... The prey causes problems to themselves because they're holding too much respect for the other, not enough for themselves. And this, interestingly, is a problem because it can trigger other people to become aggressive or rude or disrespectful towards us. Even nice people can be triggered to become pre- predator towards us. So that's bad news. And the, except the good news is that we, 
when we're acting like prey, when we recalibrate our behavior, we have a lot of ability to influence that outcome and change the way that person is acting towards us. Now, I want to tell you, I I promised a moment ago that I was going to tell you about this epiphany of mine. This was back in 2001. I had just started my business the year before. And one evening, a colleague of mine, we'll call her Judy, said, hey, Amy, there is a networking event tomorrow night and starts at six o'clock. I'm going to get there at 630. I said, okay, great, Judy. Sounds good. I'll probably get there at six o'clock and I'll see you when you get there at 630. Well, the next day I was in the office and I wanted to finish this one last project. So I looked at my watch and I thought, well, I'll just get there at 6.30 when Judy arrives. No big deal. (laughs) So I thought, I walk in at 6.30 and I see Judy, who looks kind of panicked. And she said, Amy, I thought you were going to be here at 6 o'clock. I told Francine you were going to be here at 6 o'clock and that you could spend the first half hour with her. And I look at her and I said, Judy, uh, who's Francine? She said, well... Francine's this 85-year-old woman who's not very comfortable in social situations, so I told her you could spend that time with her. Okay, now, I'm not feeling guilty because I couldn't have known. I'm not holding Judy responsible because she had good intentions. And Judy says, well, come on over. I'll, I'll introduce her to you. I'll introduce you to her. I said, okay, great. I walk into the room, and I see this very statuesque woman of 85, with a big beehive hairdo, a woman standing on either side of her, like two guards. (laughs) That should have been my first clue. And I go to introduce myself. She says to me, I have been waiting for you for over a half an hour. Where have you been? (laughs) I thought to myself, girlfriend, you are messing with the wrong short person. I mean, and what you don't know about me, on a good hair day, I'm like one meter 50, you know, like four foot 10 and a half, maybe. (laughs) So I'm sure I have my issues about that. (laughs) You know, and then just after that, my fantasy response kicks in, which is something like, sweetheart, if you haven't gotten your act together by the time you're your age, not, you know, nothing I can do for you. And... I was thinking, you know, what the heck, lady? Now, I knew that that would be rude and aggressive. And, of course, I didn't want to go there. One, because I didn't know this woman. Plus, I don't underestimate it. I didn't want to damage the, my reputation in the French region of Switzerland before it had even been developed. So, in a matter of seconds, I'm thinking to myself, what are my other choices? And I imagine what would be the opposite response, a very passive prey response. It might have sounded something like this. Oh, Francine, I'm I'm sorry. I I, I didn't mean to. I, I promise it won't happen again. Though, if you don't know me, which some of you listening may not, I'll share with you that my ego was never going to let me do that. Just then, I remembered something I had learned from improvisational theater. For the communication to be effective, that power dynamic has to be equalized. And the way you equalize it is by showing respect for yourself and the other simultaneously. So this is what I did. 
I kept my body still. I kept direct eye contact with a warm smile and without any sarcasm in my voice, which I'm not quite sure how I managed that. I said, Francine, if I had known you were waiting for me, it would have been a pleasure to spend the time with you. It's nice to meet you. And in that moment, she melted like an ice cream cone in Texas in August. I was speechless. And right in that moment, it was all I could do not to look up to the heavens to see if the skies were going to part and angels were going to start to sing. And that's why I call it my epiphany, because I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, how did that happen? And thanks to learning from improv, I was able to see that visible power game happening in the moment. I was able to put my ego to the side, make different choices, and got a very different outcome. As you can guess from the story, I, yes, am a recovering predator. Though many of my clients, I would say when I'm in a training room, the people are, many more people are showing up as prey under pressure than predator. So what I want to do now is I want to play a clip for you from an interview that I did last year with a young professional by the name of Sophia, who when we started working together, was displaying a lot of prey behaviors. Now, during the interview, you're going to hear me coaching her periodically on two specific behaviors. One, repeating the, rather, replacing the word but in order to reduce unintended conflict and using something I call the downward inflection in order to increase her gravitas. So that's only a little bit of bonus coaching that was happening while she was telling these success stories. So listen in as she shares her success story of using partner behaviors to positively manage her boss and then another situation with a different senior colleague. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. It's only been a couple of weeks since you were in the Leadership Presence course, and I'm impressed to hear that you already have a couple of partner in action stories for us. So why don't you tell us about them? So this actually was a really big accomplishment for me because it was the exercise that I had the most difficulty with in your workshop. Okay, which one was that? That was the interruption uh, exercise. Okay, I remember that that was challenging for you. Yes, I definitely struggled. And at the time, my partner was you know, was male, much, much older than me, which I think was really important to build my confidence in this area because as a young woman, it is even more difficult for me often to feel okay about speaking up. Yeah. So Sophia, I'm curious to know, how old are you exactly? I think listeners will be interested. I'm 24. Yeah. I mean, that's really friggin' young. (laughs) So thank you for reminding me. And the cool thing is, Sophia, even though you look young, you show up with a lot of gravitas now. So I was even surprised just now when you said 24. Okay, so what you're saying is that in the workshop, we had you paired with an older senior guy and he played like as if he was your boss. Exactly. Yes. So that was great because that was kind of the highest, the highest rung uh, that I was going to have to try to interrupt with. Right. So... So back to the story. So basically what happened is that I was, as usual, in a brief interaction, a check-in with my supervisor at work. Give me a downward reflection. A check-in with my supervisor. A check-in with my supervisor. And there is a common interaction that happens between us where after we go over 
all of the requirements that I have and I yeah. give an update. That he goes into a, a, a very repetitive story. Uh, this one just happened to, to, to flow along the lines of exactly everything that went wrong with acquiring his work permit. Uh-huh. In Switzerland. So and he's just telling you these arbitrary stories. And, exactly. And, and, and I'm going to guess, putting myself in your shoes, that you sort of feel like the, the victim of uh, someone who's just sucking the air out of the room. You, you don't really feel like you have a choice other than to just listen. Is that it? Yes, exactly. Almost, I mean, to be honest, often he doesn't even look at me while he's telling these stories. Wow but I must be there as kind of a receptacle and I must be there as a receptacle. So this, so let me interrupt a second, Sophia, do you feel more of an obligation to be there as a receiver of the story because he's senior to you? Would you feel as the same frustration? I'm assuming it's frustrating. Do you feel that frustration as well? If it was just a peer or the same pressure as well? That's interesting. I, I do to some extent, but I think that, and? and I think that power dynamics and status really play into this. Definitely. That's what I suspected. Yeah. Especially because you're young. Yes. And let's go off on a tangent here. What people don't know about you is that physically you're very tiny, even though you're, you're, you're very athletic, you're pint size like me, as they say, uh-huh. and you're blonde and you're female. Uh-huh. So these are generalizations out in the pu- public uh, in the or rather society where you've got to overcompensate even more because you may have been socialized to be very polite and respectful to authority. Is does any of that ring true? For sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. And actually what's interesting though is that no one had ever called me small or brought my attention to that until you said it. But when you said that, it had this great... Good, let's say that again. When you said it. When you said it. Yet. Yet. This wasn't... The way that you alerted me to this fact about myself, it wasn't in a way that made me less confident. It was actually helpful for me to understand Hmm. why it is... Why, why I, for example, always want to come off as likable, mm. right? Or why I try to overcompensate with these kind of prey-like tendencies, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have the vocabulary or the understanding of, of, why I did, of why I had that before. So, yeah. So, thank you. Oh, that's <laughs> very cool to hear. Yeah. So, okay. So, basically, I'm, I'm sitting there. We've had our meeting, and I really would like to go back to work, but instead I'm being treated. And instead. And instead... I'm being treated to uh, a tirade of, of his complaints against the, the Swiss uh, legal system, <laughs> the OCPM in, in, in particular. Mm-hmm. So this continues for... So this continues. So this continues. And it's been a little over 10 minutes, and I'm tracking this on my watch. <laughs> With your heartbeat, which is increasing as well. Yeah. But then I I just... And then? And then I had this realization. I I hadn't realized before I have this tool now that I had learned just the the week previous with you. So I started to active listen to him. I said, Uh yeah, 
okay, got it. <laughs> and then I said his name. I summarized exactly what he'd said perfectly. Uh, and wow. I said, you know, this sounds really frustrating. And um, thank you so much for, for letting me know. I'll make sure not to lose my work permit. And uh -huh. then I said, I will see you in our next meeting. <laughs> and he said, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Have a great day. And I was shocked after that. That had worked. It was shocking. It was like, wow, I wish I had that <laughs> before in my pocket. Yeah. That's a great story. Oh, my gosh. Also, I want to analyze a little bit about a couple things you did. The active listening before and then the got it is such a strong way that you can even use to interrupt someone if you didn't know their name. In this case, you did. So you did the got it. That was like the prep, you know, first interruption, then the person's name. Right. And then luckily, because you were listening, you were, you got, you're able to summarize. Sometimes that is challenging for people. And you also did another thing that I think was really brilliant was you added empathy. Oh, that must've been really frustrating. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece you did I'm hearing is that you then twist, you, you turn it around to say, gosh, you've just offered me a lot of value because now I know, you know, I'll avoid doing what I can to, or I'll do what I can to avoid this happening to me. Right. Well, so, so what I remembered was that you said after you make the interruption, you have to come up with a reasonable explanation for why you interrupted, right? Good point. Yes. And the, when I was thinking beforehand, because I was trying to be strategic about this, what do I want to say as my explanation? And all that kept coming to mind was because this is pointless and boring and is a waste of time. Right. But yeah. that isn't a good, a good explanation. So instead I thought, okay, how can I make him look good and be like, wow, this is really helpful to me. Yeah. I think where the, the empathy came. Yeah. From. I think it was really uh, very wise of you not to say, you know, the, so I'm interrupting you cause I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to kill myself or you if, if I, this continues. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So wise professional decision. <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day you leave, you still have your time and you still have a job, right? <laughs> that's the goal. Good pat on the back for that one. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Sophia, that's brilliant. Hey, um, we have time for a little, I know you also said that you had a couple of other experiences that, what did you say? You had told me that uh, you found moments to stand your ground and demand more respect. Tell, tell us about those. Yes. So, so there's a, let's see. A couple of different incidents that happened. The most recent one is that another one of my superiors likes to uh, send me texts uh, and assignments out of work hours and not just a little out of work hours, but around 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. time, even, you know, a 1 a.m. kind of urgent. Yeah, exactly. Call to action. And none of these call to actions are actually life-threatening. I think it's yeah. more just that this person is maybe a bit of an insomniac, right? Yeah. So originally, especially when I started my job a year ago, I, I felt as though I had to respond immediately, always be on call, very much that brown-nosing attitude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yet... Yet, yet, this was something we covered in your workshop was about having self-respect actually 
gives people more respect for you. And being able to look at it from that lens Mm -hmm. rather than looking at it as I'm being, I'm just being lazy or I don't Mm. want, I don't want to work right now was really helpful for me to be able to change my response. Yeah. So let me expand on that a little bit for listeners. The idea is it's not that you didn't hold respect for yourself before Sophia. It's that you were holding an imbalanced amount too much for the other, not enough for yourself. So the idea is by holding equal amounts of your respect for yourself and for the other, the other, you're commanding more respect from them because they value the, the respect you're showing them due to the fact that you're holding more respect for yourself. So it's balanced respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, yes, <laughs> exactly, balanced. And before it was definitely out of balance. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think that my, either my response would be, to respond right away, but then as that got more and, and more, then. and then as that got more and more irritating, frustrating, I started to be, um, I would, I, what, what is it called again? You referred to it as pissed off prey, pissed off prey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And then I would just not respond at all. Right. And then later so, I would yeah. say, That is a good that you caught that about yourself. That's what I will sometimes refer to as passive aggressive behavior. Okay. Yeah. Because we're just so frustrated, though we know that it'll be too risky to express our frustration directly. Right. Is that different from pissed off prey? Is there a specific? Pissed off prey tends to be, it could be an example of pissed off prey. For me, pissed off prey is when they, the prey is goes, they're, they're nice, they're nice, they're nice. They get more and more and more and more nice and they're getting more and more frustrated because they're getting mistreated the whole time and then they explode and flip to the other extreme and they go predator so they Mm -hmm. it's usually what I consider like when we uh, when we blow up verbally that would be what I call the pissed off prey and you're right passive aggressive could is another style of that in rather than either responding right away and saying, absolutely, I'll do this now and mm. wake up from my bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then also the other extreme of just completely ignoring and waiting until I see that person later and coming up with some excuse. I, re- I responded right away. Thank you for your message. I'm actually already done with work for the, for the night but will and and will respond to you later about this. So instead of, so first I thanked them, right? Which was a big deal for me. And I think I actually, I got that idea from from, (laughs) from your book. Uh, But the, yeah, about thanks right away. And, and it, it worked. I also didn't say I'll get right on this immediately. Right, which was important for me as well. It was okay, we can follow up with a discussion. So I noticed that then the next time I had an interaction with that person, rather than them saying, Hey, where's the assignment at? or Hey, where were you? It was like, Oh, thanks for responding. That's what they mm-hmm. said to me. Thanks for responding <laughs> to my message. Let me know when you're ready to talk about the assignment. And I was like, Wow, <laughs> that's fantastic, Sophia. Yeah. So those you know that would be a really big, a big shift that happened. That's huge. So for me, I hear that you resist the temptation to be passive aggressive. You addressed it directly and very assertively, assertively and graciously. Because a lot of times that people think assertive can uh, be too harsh 
Mm. You were very direct, very assertive, and very gracious using the thank you. You didn't say but, I'm guessing, in the message. And you you gave them, you know, a time frame when you, you would take action. Mm-hmm. So you, you respond, you know, you gave them all, you didn't just say thank you for the message and then was radio silent. Thank you right. for the message. You also gave an explanation why you weren't going to address it. I'm done with work for the day, which is beautiful. Well, yeah, it's one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Silly me. <laughs> and then the third piece was, and this is when I'll get on it. So it's, uh, I can't imagine a better response. Well, yes, thank you. <laughs> Let me ask you, Sophia, was it scary to do it? A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the first time was honestly pretty scary, and I had to stop and think about it. Right. Kind of in the same way that with the interruption technique, I, it wasn't my natural instinct, right? Yeah. I had to remember the technique, think about it. And luckily, with something like a text message or an email, you have that time, right? So I also felt like this was a perfect, yes. a perfect opportunity to practice that muscle. That's good, a really good catch because a lot of times we're so – reactive that we don't even think realize oh no this is not a live conversation i don't have to react immediately right exactly yes so that's also a big thing for me as well i am usually pretty busy multitasking doing different things and and realize okay i can take a step back and really think through my responses is is a big positive shift for me yeah that's wow so there's really a lot of learnings you took from the course and it doesn't surprise me that you're seeing such a uh, such a positive response because you're you're already a qualified credible professional and now this is just taking your skills and you to the next level by everything being coherent or congruent is actually the word i want external and internal well, yes, that's what, that's what I'm hoping for. Thank you. Excellent. <laughs> more congruency in the future. Yeah, cool. Hey, before I let you go, Sophia, I have one last question for you. Yes. What is one tip that you have for listeners for stepping into partner? What's been most important for me is to take a moment of reflection and not just react. And I know that that can sound unrealistic in a lot of moments, but actually it's not. And actually. And actually I have found that it's not. Mm -hmm. So taking space, even if it's the kind of thing where you say to someone, all right, just one second, I have to step out for a moment. And people very rarely are like, no, you absolutely. Right. Exactly. Right. And that's brilliant. So what you're saying is that even in a live face-to-face exchange, you could build in an opportunity to create that space. Yes. And it makes me think of a video I saw from a person. They talked about uh, drinking the soup, that if you feel under attack and very anxious and you're in a situation where you can't get out of it, they suggest you take a pencil, pretend you've dropped it, so that when you bend over, you you do the first half of the breathing technique, which is uh, um, you inhale very sharply. Let let me see it. Like when you say... Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. So before you're drinking the soup, you inhale. So as you're bending over to pick up the pencil, you take a deep breath in. And then as you would with this hot soup, you just very slowly blow on it. 
So you let the, you know, sharp, deep in breath and then a slow exhale. And even that little tiny exchange of air can be enough sometimes to settle our nervous system enough to be able to stay partner. So I love your example of, you know, I'm going to step outside one minute. I'll be right back. (laughs) Right, right. And that's, that's, that's obviously also take some courage to get to, but the other, the other part and and the other part where I was able to use that space or or create that space for myself. Well, in in the example I I spoke about earlier was when someone is speaking um, quite a lot at you, you actually have time. They're they're giving you the time to take (laughs) <laughs> they're so true for you so yeah just make sure you you take it excellent well Sophia thank you so much for taking this time thank you really so appreciate much it no thank you for inviting me we're going to take a break now and when we come back we're going to talk more about Sophia's successes you're listening to partner up with Amy Carroll on the voice America business channel Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more out of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Send an email with questions or comments or to share your own interpersonal communication dilemmas to amy at carolcoaching.com. That's amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Before the break, you heard from Sophia, who used the skill of active listening to effectively interrupt her boss without causing offense. And folks, if you've ever mechanically learned the skill, you'll know that it takes time to master. I know that whenever I'm teaching this skill of active listening, and I I call it active listening slash active interruption, uh, because I believe that there are times when interrupting is necessary. You only want to do it if you have a good reason to. And you'll and you heard from Sophia, she had a good reason to because she didn't 
want to be the victim of just having to listen to her boss. Um, and you, you might have a different reason. You might need to interrupt someone because you have to get on a conference call, or maybe they're speaking so, giving you so much information, you're overwhelmed. And so you need to stop them and check what you understood or check for um, clarity. So when there's a justified reason, interrupting is useful. And then the act of listening all on its own is also really fantastic for creating connection and rapport and getting clarity. So I've actually created a video. I don't know. It's about six, seven, eight minutes, something like that. So you can go to my website, carolcoaching.com, and that's two R's and two L's. And go to the video page and check out the video, active listening slash active interruption. And so you'll see the whole demonstration there. Now, keep in mind, if you decide to take on this challenge of upgrading your active listening skills, you will feel weird and strange. And whenever I do the practice with a European audience or participants, they often say, oh, Amy, this is so weird. It, it, uh, or no, they, no, what they say is, oh, this is so, this is so American, <laughs> And then when I'm doing it with North American participants, they say, oh, this is so weird. So I don't, I think what happens is that whenever we bring a skill up to the level of conscious awareness and we make it very mechanical, it just no longer feels natural. It's, it would be like saying, okay, uh, you're now, you're going to walk down the street, except this time you're going to pay attention to precisely how your arms and feet move and you're going to notice when your foot hits the ground and you know when your other foot lifts off the ground we never have that level of focus so and the minute it happens it feels weird so just know that it it, it don't let oh this feels strange unnatural uncomfortable to be a reason to not learn the skill if you think that you've gotten the feedback either from people that, you know, uh, they're, they're not feeling like they're being heard, that might be a skill that you want to develop. So Sophia gave us also the second example where she elegantly set a boundary with the senior person who then, to her surprise, responded really positively. Now, my feeling is part of what happened here was Sophia set an appropriate boundary. You know, it was late at night and completely reasonable that she wouldn't respond right away. So not only does she gain more self-respect by setting boundaries, she also gains the respect from others, in this case, the senior person. It's also an example of her projecting greater gravitas. And that translates into also self-respect. And this goes a, goes a long way to creating greater job satisfaction for herself. Which, you know, because when we're, we're setting boundaries and we're feeling that we're taking care of ourselves, and we see the result that other people are treating us with more respect, then this is going to reduce the likelihood of pent-up frustration. Because other, when, when we're subordinate to people, sometimes we don't feel safe and willing to speak out. And then that frustration could leak out 
perhaps in the form of passive aggressive behavior. I know I've been guilty of that. And the other benefits to Sophia is by creating greater job satisfaction, she's less likely to be looking for another job. She's much less likely to trigger a burnout. And this also pays off for the employer as well, because we all know that when key employees leave, when people have to take time off to recover from a burnout, it's costly. So that's a benefit of your employees learning this skill of stepping more into partner. Now, we've spent some time, first half now, a little bit more talking about the prey. Though there's still plenty of people out there that we slip and we go into predator. In fact, some of us will flip-flops. People say, well, Amy, is it just one or the other? No, it kind of depends on different things. It, it might depend on the who we're interacting with. Generalization is that... Um, we will tend to go more, if we're in a lower positional power at work, we tend to go more prey at work and predator at home. I think legally it's just harder for those people who we are married to to get rid of us. And so we, many of us are guilty of misbehaving with the people closest to us in our lives. And sometimes um, our positional power, if we're a senior person at work, This tends to impact the brain. Literally, we tend to have less empathy for people outside of our, like the C-suite, for example. And we might tend to be more predator the more senior we are. And then sometimes it just is based on the fact that our internal state, we're, we're under stress, we're not resilient. Maybe we didn't sleep well. Maybe we're feeling very anxious about the health of, a, of, of someone who's important to us. Maybe we haven't had a meal in seven hours. So there could be many different reasons that we are triggered to go predator. And nonetheless, a not a good enough reason to let it happen. So now looking at some of the challenges of predator and what they might experience in the workplace because our primary concern or focus is getting results. That's the predator's main interest. And sometimes they will sacrifice relationships in order for that to happen. I want to play for you now a short interview I did with a senior leader in a European organization who to her shock and surprise and, and, discomfort, discovered that she was being perceived as a predator. And you're going to hear in the interview the process she went through, what she learned, what she discovered, and what she's doing differently today as a result. Listen to this interview I did with Yana. Today I'm speaking with Yana, who I got to meet about two years ago. And Yana is currently working at a European institution. Yana, thanks for coming in and talking to me today. You're welcome, Amy. Hi. I know that you shared with me recently that you have a great partner in action story. So let's hear it. Well, my story is probably the story of many of your students. I've started working in a very dynamic, even stressful environment. We had a lot of deliverables to be done within very short period of time. And over time, I've noticed that my relationships with the rest of the colleagues are not exactly what I wished for. 
I was often perceived as being on the predator side instead of on the partner side. Uh -huh. and of course, this didn't really meet my own perceptions of who I am and how oh. I want to be perceived by others. And I'm guessing that might have been quite a shock to discover that. Yes, and also sad, not so much shock and anger, more sadness and feeling of being misunderstood and underappreciated. Yes, because it's certainly not what your intention was. Certainly not. Yeah, got it. I don't think it's anybody's intention ever to be perceived this way. I think there's a lot of people that's not their intention. Unfortunately, there are a few people out there that take it and use it for the intention to intimidate and get what they want. Luckily, there's not a lot of people out there like that. Well, that's certainly not my case, and your training has really, really helped me develop a better awareness of how others might perceive me, uh -huh. and also over time to build reflexes of better behavior so that I really improve the perceptions I live with others. Smiling, okay. letting myself being interrupted, I spoke over you. You said the first one was smiling. And, yes. And letting yourself be interrupted. Oh my gosh, yeah, both of those are power skills. Yes, listening a lot more. Being an active listener. Showing a lot more respect. Go into more detail when you say showing more respect. How specifically did you consciously show more respect for people? Really taking the time to look at people, to understand how they feel on the day, not being so focused on objectives and tasks, investing time and empathy in developing also personal relationships with the people I work with. So is it accurate to say that you were putting more emphasis on the relationship side of things, connecting more with people? Certainly, and much better awareness of how I might be perceived and how I can really show more generosity and understanding. It's also a concept that I learned from nonviolent communication yes. that you have recommended to me, uh, right. really understanding their needs and where they come from. Mm -hmm. And what started to change inside of you when you were on this path? Gradually, I certainly became much calmer, less frustrated, and really developed confidence in my soft skills. Uh -huh. Because in the past, I always had this fear of lagging behind with my soft skills oh, okay. versus my technical skills, which were always excellent, and I always received very strong and positive feedback. That's an interesting point you just make, and I think that may be true for a lot of people, that because you may be stronger or more comfortable or feel naturally more successful with the technical side, that's probably what you emphasize and drive with, so it, it makes the imbalance even stronger unintentionally. True. Now, after two years working with you, I can say that I'm closing this year with uh, great progress in my soft skills. I feel very calm, very peaceful. My mind is very sharp. I don't have currently any conflicts with any colleagues at the office. And I consider this a huge achievement, especially in my more senior role where I'm supposed to lead and manage others. Wow, Yana, that is just such a delight because I know when we first met and sat down and spoke, 
almost two years ago, there was, you were really struggling and it was very painful. And if I remember correctly, you really weren't convinced or confident that this was going to make a significant difference. Is that accurate? Well, when you start with baby steps, it looks quite challenging at the beginning, I admit, using the downward inflection that you recommend. <laughs> and I think you're still working on improving that. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Taking pauses, speaking slowly. Yes. Yes. These are not natural things in a busy day. Right. Right. And do you have some one or two specific examples of where the relationship shifted as a result of applying certain skills, behaviors, or mindset? I have examples on a daily basis. It's a bit awkward now to give very, very specific examples. It's, it's a bit sensitive, yet I can assure everyone that following your tips and learnings really, really helps in rebalancing the relationships and achieving a much more productive working environment. Beautiful. Yana, that's wonderful to hear. And congratulations because it's, yes, I may have been there to share these suggestions and ideas, though you had to do the hard work and you had to put in the time and the effort and the energy and put your ego to the side and be willing to be uncomfortable and vulnerable in order to get the outcome. So congratulations. And thank you to you for being such a great coach, Amy. It's been an absolute pleasure working with you. Oh, that's lovely to hear, Jana. So before I let you go, I have one last question for you. What is one tip you would have for listeners on stepping into partner? Let me think. Do not interrupt. Smile. And do not react on the spot, even if you don't like what is being said, mm. just keep calm, carry on, and buy yourself time to consider where this person is coming from, what are his or her needs, why they might be objecting to something. Often the reasons are completely rational. Yes. Not based on technical reasoning. Really, buy yourself time, don't damage the relationship, and then try to revisit the same issue later when you're much better prepared and have done your homework analysis why this is happening. Brilliant. Yeah, so I heard a lot of really rich advice in that one comment. And you're so right, Yana. It's rare that an issue has to be addressed immediately, though we're not always conscious of that and sometimes our egos are driving our mouths to open up and say things that we will later regret. Very true. And this is all very, very true for more extrovert, expressive personalities. Yes. And this was one of the issues I was struggling with. Mm -hmm. Got it. Well, Yana, thank you so much for your time. Thank you to you, Amy. All the best. As you can hear, Yana was surprised and disappointed to discover she was being perceived as a predator. It wasn't her intention. And I think this is important to be aware of. I see, I often say there's three types of predators. Category one are the predators who don't know they're being a predator. And so often through either one-on-one -on -one coaching that when I work with clients or 
even um, in, in small group trainings or, or even keynotes that I give for 90 minutes, there's often an aha and, and usually this horrified discovery that people are being perceived as a predator, this, you know, that they're, they're realizing this. And so that category of people, they're pretty motivated to change because it's not their intention. And so they're usually very coachable and open, like, okay, Amy, what do I need to do? Help me. Now there's a second group. And these are the predators who know that they're being a predator, except they think the only other option is to be a prey. And they're, you know, that's never happening in this lifetime, as far as they're concerned. So the... The cool thing for this category is they realize, oh, when they discover partner, they're, they're thinking, you mean I can still push for results and keep the relationships? You're telling me I can have both? And so often when they have that realization, the motivation to change is quite high. So that's very cool to work with people like that because there are usually no nonsense, um, fast learners, you know, they're a little impatient. So they're, they tend to be a little bit hard on themselves. Sometimes I see a lot of perfectionists who um, will uh, be in this category. Now, I mentioned there are three categories. Then there is the category three where these predators tend to enjoy it for the sport of it. I know. It's pretty depressing. And here's what's cool, though, is that even that category of predators can even also be motivated to change. Uh, Usually it takes a video camera (laughs) for them to see their own behavior. Uh, It's shocking to me how... Um, the lack of awareness, we, and I have got to include myself in on this. We think we're showing up one way. We think we're sounding one way. And then we get video or audio proof of it not being the case. OMG. That is painful for people to realize. So sometimes even in this third category, there are people who are willing and open to changing into shifting into partner. Now, what you heard from the interview with Yana is that coaching helped her to raise her awareness, to build the reflexes, to decrease frustration, decrease conflict, and increase self-confidence and inner calm. And really, you know, you have more self-confidence and inner calm. You're willing to take risks your, um, it's, a, it's an investment in your physical, mental, and emotional health. So you're less likely to have to um, deal with illnesses. You may be less likely to have accidents because you're less stressed. So there's all sorts of hidden benefits of shifting into partner because, you know, she feels better about herself now. And Here's what I thought is interesting. Maybe you noticed from the interview with Sophia and the interview with Yana, they both gave the same advice. Don't react. 
take time to respond. So remember the thing I explained with very inelegantly in the interview with Sophia about this concept of sipping the soup. So let me see if I can say it in a more succinct way. Whenever you're feeling reactive, stressed, defensive, upset, scared, anxious, take in a deep breath. Doesn't have to be as loud as that, just enough to take in the breath and then slowly, calmly exhale. So I'm, I'm making it pronounced so you can hear what you want to do. So, and then slow exhale. And this is enough to recalibrate yourself physiologically to calm down. And then even in that moment, that will help you say, okay, do I need to react? Or not? Yeah, let me clarify. Do I need to respond to this person, to this situation in the moment now? And like we talked about, most likely, no. Most likely, you're going to be able to wait and then address it at another moment. And I can't tell you how many times in my life I've done that and it's paid off because I've been able to be calmer and stay partner. So I hope that you've enjoyed the show today. Practice sipping the soup. That's my first call to action. Second call, well, actually, that's my second call. The first one was check out the video on active listening, active interruption. And then the third call to action is to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and success stories, either via email or social media. And I'll be discussing them and reach and, and uh, sharing them on future shows, making suggestions. You can reach me on my email, amy at carolcoaching.com or any of my social media channels, Amy Carol Coaching. Be sure to check in or tune in next week when I am interviewing Kat Coppin, author, coach, trainer, theater director, and podcaster. We're going to be talking about the, auth- the importance of authenticity, vulnerability, and the power of improv and storytelling in the workplace. And if you're game for it, I'll be hopping over to Facebook Live five minutes past the hour for a short chat on today's call. Feel free to connect with me, and I'll look forward to, to uh, sharing future ideas and suggestions in other shows. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good. Good.